Welcome to the Faith and Reason podcast on Paving the Way Home. This evening, we're delighted to be joined by Father John Harris above in Newbridge. Father, welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Great to be here. You're keeping the good faith, so, brother. We are. We are keep, keeping it going in these strange old times. So, yeah, hopefully we'll thank get God the, we have the church it. to be open soon. <laughs> For Christmas. Yeah, I know. It's kind of to be... To be interesting to see what way it'll all go now. It's kind of, um, it seems to be that, you know, we, we were able to tolerate it at the start, but it seems that things are, it's it's just getting relegated further and further down the, the pecking yeah, order. Yeah, we made, we made, I think we made some very fundamental mistakes at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. We really did, but that's another day's conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, Father John, for um, for people who don't uh, know you, maybe you'd like to introduce yourself. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Kevin, my name is Father John Harris. I'm an Irish Dominican. Um, I've been, well, well, 33 years a priest this year. Um, my academic background is both dogma and moral theology i did my doctorate in moral theology i i did my initial license in dogma and i was teaching dogma and i was called in one day by the provincial and he said to me we now think it's time for you to do your doctorate i said fine he says and we want you to do it in the area of moral theology and i said to him i don't know an awful lot about moral theology and he said well now is your chance <laughs> so call it obedience i don't know brother but there you are so that's how I became a moral theologian. Um, I worked in my doctoral oh. area is really church-state relationships. And my director was, he is the papal theologian, Vajik Yertek. And um, so most of my ordained life, I've been teaching our own Dominican students uh, in Ireland, uh, either um, fundamental, moral theology, fundamental moral theology, um, dogma, areas of the church, preaching. So uh, some of the um, fathers of the church, patrology. And I'm also, I suppose, I've had contact with young people and parishes. And so it's been good. It's been very good. Now, I first came across you, I suppose, about 10 years ago. Um, and it would have been as U2000 retreats. Um, yeah. Now, at that time, I was still avoiding the faith. And um, if I thought that there was someone with an in, a kind of a, a background in moral theology, I'd have certainly run a mile because my life was anything but. Um, but so at that time, I was kind of dipping in and out of, of little things. And um, but you were always um, this great presence and a presence of great joy. I always found that uh, there was always a kind of um, wherever you were, there was kind of there, there was an energy and kind of joy about it. Now, that's it was not 10 years ago. What I... <laughs> but, but that's not what I would have associated with moral theology in, mm. in my own mind, because mm. um, the moral life always seemed to me like a burden, you know, yeah. and uh, 
it, it was one of these things that I remember when uh, my wife Mara and I had been on a retreat a few years ago and it was around the time we decided look we're going to either abandon this thing or take it seriously you know and uh, check it out but I remember a bunch of young people at the time who had also been on the retreat and they'd kind of been roped into coming along on it and stuff and they were in their early 20s um late teens early 20s and I remember some of them had been maybe in it now for a year that kind of way and some of them were saying to me at the time like oh it's great for you you got to live out your 20s without this burden of the faith you know and uh you got to do what you wanted and um you know and of course they had us written off in our late 20s early 30s as uh our lives were over yeah but um <laughs> But the thing is, I, I think there was something very interesting in that, though, because the moral life seems like this kind of um, a burden, you yeah, know, so, so why, why would we? Yeah. So, so why, why be moral? Well, first of all, I go back to what you said, Kevin. You know, you say when you were back, when you knew me 10 years ago, and you wouldn't have come near a moral theologian or you weren't very moral. But first and foremost, I wouldn't say that's correct. You might have had issues around your life. But I wouldn't say you were a bad son. I wouldn't say you were a bad brother. I wouldn't say you were a bad friend. You know what I mean? I think we have a very almost limited idea of the moral life. Basically, when you're 17 and 18, it's about sex. You know, let's call a spade a spade, right? Yeah. yeah, it's about sex and we can't do it. And therefore, um, as they were saying, you weren't into the church at the time, so you could go off and enjoy yourself and just live a totally immoral life. And, you know, like St. Augustine, you know, save me, Lord, but not yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the burden then, the, the, you know, as you rightly say, uh, moral, the moral law is just now about a law. And I have to keep rules and regulations. And if something is enjoyable, it's either fattening or sinful, right? And I think that's a very, very sad um, place to where people have put morality. They've narrowed it down to a very small issue where the moral person, from the Thomistic point of view, is to be a happy person. And I don't mean happy entertained, but confident in oneself, at peace with oneself. And, you know, it is at 16 and 17, you're, you're, you're everywhere. Your hormones are everywhere, you know. But you can see now as a father, morality as a husband and a father, it's about making you a good father and a good husband, a good you. It's not saying, you know, oh, my Lord, if I marry this one woman, well, I can't have sex with all the other women. Would it be better off having sex with all the other women before I get married? But when you find love and you find someone special, there's your happiness. And it's not just about going around being cuckoo all the time and being entertained. So what I would say is, from my point of view, to be a moral person is a fundamental to be a person at peace with oneself in who you are and living your life as a good brother, a good son, a good husband, a good friend, a good employee. 
And that, that, that's what the moral person is about. Yes, there are rules and regulations to guide us. But if we only see it as that, what happens? If it's a burden, we won't carry them. And our blessed Lord gave out about the Pharisees. You know, you lay heavy burdens on people's backs and you do nothing um, to, to, to relieve them. So my understanding is, what do I want for you? I want you to be the best you can be in your life at this time as a husband, as a father, as a dad, as a brother, as you. And I think when we become totally engrossed um, so in sort of social, I'm sorry, selfishness and self-centeredness, there's not happiness there. There might seem to be. And as well as that too, you know, talking to 16 year olds and 17 year olds, they're not the best people to understand about morality because they're what issue people. So that's what I would like to think that, you know, I want you to be happy, but to be happy because you see, as a human being, we are actually hotwired for the good and the true. Um, and when we are good and true, and we are totally honest in all those virtues, we are at peace with ourselves. And so the moral life helps us to be at peace with ourselves. You know, because I was just even thinking there recently, you know, and, you know, this girl in, in London was taken away and she was raped and she was murdered. And this lady lord, baroness, whatever she is in the House of Lords, said men could not be trusted. So to keep women safe, men should all be locked up at six o'clock. Now, that to me is a very bad idea of law and a very bad idea of the human person. What I want to see is a man who is developed morally, virtuously, that every woman isn't seen as an object for his warped desires. So it doesn't matter when a woman goes out walking, that I as a man would respect her, have enough control over my own loss and my own desires, not to use that woman so it's much more important and would be a much better society if we were trying to educate people virtuously than simply get them to keep rules because rules will be broken and, and i think in our modern world uh, all we have now of course all sorts of things coming into my head is positive law you keep the rules that the government tell us and if you don't you go to jail or whatever but that's now if the rules are right, they should help you to grow mar virtuously, morally. If they're not, they'll cause you to go the other way. But eventually, what I would like us to say is the rules disappear. Because I'm, I'm you know, as I said to you earlier before we came on, you know, you're not going to murder your mother. So you don't need a rule to say, thou shalt not kill your mother. Because you're the, the man that you are. The free man that you are knows how to respect your mother and do her honor. So the fact that there's a rule saying thou shalt not kill your mother has no relevance to you. So that's what I would think we need to get away from. I, I, in, when I teach fundamental moral theology, I call it the knee theology. How far up a girl's leg can you go without committing sin? 
and it's somewhere in the middle of the knee. If you're underneath that point, it's okay. If you're over that point, then you're in sin territory. Baloney. It's a wrong view. What you should be doing is, how do I respect this girl? How do I respect myself? That we can have a friendship, a relationship that is appropriate to our lives together. And if I just think every girl as something I can take advantage of, that's not that's not just immoral. That says something about you. But anyway, I'm going on and on. But I don't know if that makes any sense to you. No, it it makes a lot of sense. Now it, it, it's it's very true. Like kind of the yeah, if we only see it as rules. Now saying yeah. that. Um, you know, like you say, that I wouldn't kill my mother, but saying that, yeah. I'm kind of glad that the rules are in place because I'm sure there's times in the past where she's wanted to have killed me. So. Yeah, but then, no, there, there, don't get me wrong. There is a role. There, no, there is a role for rules, right? Hmm. We do need rules and regulations because let's go back to the very start. You know, we're human beings and we believe as Catholics that we are um, affected by original sin. Now, original sin is not actual sin. doesn't mean, somebody say, how could that child have committed a sin? He's two days old. He couldn't have committed sin. That's true. He couldn't have. It's right. Child couldn't commit sin. But moral, I mean, original sin says that there was an integrity in us that God meant us to have. But when sin entered into it, we lost that integrity. We lost the giftedness of, of being ordered in the proper right, you know, what's good for us. And so we, 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 so we're starting off to some extent damaged goods to some extent because we're not um, as integrated as we ought to be, okay? Yeah. But for Catholics, original sin doesn't mean that we're awful and we're bad. It just means that our compass is off. And the rules help to get the compass on the right line. But eventually, once you're on the right line, well, the rules can fall away. It's like the bike, you know, the person on the bike with the two small wheels at the back. They help us. But eventually, we can take those two wheels off and we can cycle freely. So that there is a role for rules. Don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, and all of us, I mean, God almighty, if we didn't have rules and regulations, we'd go cuckoo, right? And also, for, for it's the, morality is really about education. I think in that sense, um, yeah. because there's no doubt the Christian life is very high standard, right? It presumes we're not just irrational animals, that we are thinking human beings who can by grace be healed and renewed. And so therefore part of the spiritual life is our, our, our life for us Christians is also involves prayer. It's not about, you know, sometimes we, oh, I, if I get all the rules right, I mean, even more fundamentally, God loves me because I do everything right. No. God loves me. And because he loves me, I'm good. And living that life of goodness and of love, I live in uh, accordance to that love. So, but when we start beginning only with rules and regulations, um, it, as you say, eventually you end up like Augustus saying, I want to be saved, but not yet, Lord. Come back to me when I'm 90. You've just touched on something there, you know, the, the, this view that 
God loves me because I do everything right. And that's something I I see that a lot. Um, there's, I don't know, is it, is it an, a lack of understanding that um, God can just love me as I am? Or maybe it's, maybe people know it, but they, they just can't understand it. Um, they, you know, that there, there's this unconditional love that, you know, it, it's not there, but it's, it can really lead to a, a real restrictive kind of bound up kind of a life where it's, I have to win yeah. over this yeah. love of God. And I but, exactly, but again, it goes back, you know, what I was talking there about original sin, the effect of sin in our lives, I think fundamentally makes us believe we're not loved. That we're very isolated and we're not integrated is the word I prefer to use. And we're battling against that all the time. I know people say something, everyone knows they're loved. No, they don't know they're loved. (laughs) I hate to tell you, they don't. And even if they're religious on their lives, they still don't know they're loved, you know. And we have to begin. I often take this rule, you know. St. Patrick, when he wrote his confessions, he says, I'm Patrick. I'm sort of a a country bloke, basically, and a sinner. Right, but that's not the good news. What Francis should say, or what Francis, but Patrick should say, I am Francis, sort of a rustic boy, and I am loved. There's the Christian good news. And if you live out because you're loved, I mean, your fidelity to your wife and your kids is because you love them and they love you. And loving them, you are a protective, good father. No, you have to be careful, of course, because let's face it, you go out and get drunk some night, you might not be such a good and loving father, so you have to be careful. And therefore you have to have the rules because, you know, you don't ask somebody who's on 14 vodkas uh, about a moral life, right? They don't know can they drive it. I mean, you know, people can say, if I'm sober, I won't drink, I won't drink and drive. After 14 vodkas, you see no problem yeah. without drinking and driving. All right. So you have to look at when you're good, not when you're evil. So I would say that reality of that you are loved. You see, some people I think are afraid if you take that too seriously or don't take it seriously, that means I can manipulate God. But God's a big boy, you know. He can't be manipulated. He doesn't love us because he needs to love us. He loves us because he is love. He can do nothing else only love us. Now we can either accept that love and integrate it into our who we are. But even when we try to take advantage of it, we're not really accepting it. So I think that, and that's where we must begin to believe that you were made out of love. And you are loved. And in baptism, we grow in that love. And we come to know it in the Christian gospel that we're loved. And that's why I think Christianity is so utterly needed in the world today. Just to tell the people we're loved. And love is something that, love is something that's experienced. It's something that, um, you know, it, it's something it's it's something more than just kind of mental. And I'm, I'm just thinking back to myself, you know, a lot of what you kind of said there has made me think about my own kind of, time of conversion because I prior to I still obviously it was a process but I I still remember there was one moment and it wasn't this 
St. Paul moment or anything no. like that. I just remember a moment. And what actually happened is I was on a retreat against my will. Um, you know, I was like, I'd been roped into it and I was away. There was no phone reception. Everything had just gone quiet. And there was one day where I was like, oh, I just can't be dealing with the group. And I was away on my own. But I'd been struck by a few people I met that week that had this joy. It's this a peace and a joy. And prior to that, I would always have said I was such a happy person, you know, but I wasn't. It was a totally different kind of a happy. I was I was yeah. loud. I was jokey. I was these kind of things. But it was there was a time you're, in that week you're describing me now. One. I know, but no, I, I there was a time in that week where I said, I'm not happy. You know, I was like, I'm I'm not I want what they have. And and it was at that moment I said, right, I want to find out what it is they have. Now, through all of that, you know, it was I I came to experience the love of God. Um, but I suppose as I started living more kind of morally um, and, and in, in ways where I had been living immorally and stuff like that, it was just more that I was creating space for God and, and in little things where I had been shoving them out and I could start to experience the love. Um, but then there's, I suppose what I'm kind of saying is that I started to experience it before I knew it, but I could I could nearly convince myself, oh no, I I had earned this at that point. Whereas I was no more loved than I was than I was before. But but before I wasn't allowing myself that opportunity to to experience it. So when I was told God loves me, it was words. If that yeah. makes sense, it utterly does. And you see, I wouldn't underestimate that. You talked a bit about the will, you know. The fact that we are loved by God is an act of faith, really. Because sometimes you don't feel loved. I mean, it's okay if you meet a woman you love and she can embrace you and hold you in her arms. Well, you can experience that God doesn't do that sort of stuff. Um, now, we, he can give us graces at certain times. But and fundamentally, it is an act of faith. That irrespective of anything else, my belief in God, in who God is in himself, he does, is a God of love. So fundamentally, he does love me, right? So it is an act of faith hope and charity in that sense and when the lord as you but you rightly say you know even um he didn't love you anymore even though you were you know he still loved you it, it was you that was growing in love not god yeah right and i often say this to the kids here in the school you know if i'm outside the school in the morning and the, the clouds are down as kids say you know the sun is still shining you know we just can't see it Yes. Yeah. And that's true about God. God is still there just because we can't see him because of the clouds. The sun is still there. And we have to believe it. And then at times, yes, the sun will come out. And it will all make sense to me. And me, the response of me to that love is living the moral life in which I am myself. Because I think there's a, a difference there. You see, you talk about the two different types of happiness or in I always call it, one is entertainment and one is happiness a grandmother said to me a few years ago she said father could you kindly tell my grandchildren they were not born to be entertained we have to be on the the, the lap I, the iPad all day every day 
we have to, you know, you, and I suppose this lockdowns have got us to say, well, who am I? What am I? You know, and kids killing themselves in the sense of having to be entertained. You don't have to be entertained, but it doesn't mean you don't have joy and happiness. And the joy of the Holy Spirit in one's soul is the fact of realizing in your own life, I am loved. And there is someone who cares. And when I do go into that inner place in myself, and if I'm at peace with myself, I see what sin does, it stops me from being at peace with myself. This is the problem. You might think you're entertained and you're getting drunk and you're going out all night and you have one of the lads and spray gas. And the next day you get up and you're dying in a hangover and you have to go home and you don't know how you got to where you were. Now, I don't know any of this, right? I'm just, I'm just presuming that's what happened. <laughs> right? And you go back and say, God, where was I? What, what happened last night? What was I about last night? Who was I last night? Can't remember what I said. That's not who you're meant to be. Right? And I don't think you have to go around and live a long face you either. I think there's another false inside of religion is that because I always go, go mad. One reason I like St. Thomas Aquinas, he was fat. Because there's an image out there to be holy, you have to be skinny and depressed and hating life yeah. and hating people. That's not religion. Yeah. The people didn't follow Jesus because he's making them depressed all day. Well, that's that's actually, you've just touched on something there that I, I was going to ask you because, you know, we are called to be, you know, the the hands and feet of Jesus here on mm. earth. You know, we're, we're here to, to love others. And it's one of these things that, um, you know, look, because we are people of faith, I'm going to be more critical here of people of faith rather yeah. than people outside yeah. of faith. You know? yeah. So, yeah. so that's the Too position. Too much is being given, much will be expected. Yeah. So, so I'm kind of, I'm thinking back to times like that where I, I wasn't, happy and I was living with it but there were I, I remember a couple of instances where you know I'd have felt probably more and I'm not actually talking about by priests or anything but I'm talking about when I'd have dipped my toe into different circles where I'd have felt more nearly judged and condemned rather yeah. than kind of you know just welcome yeah. sinner you know kind of thing and but do we have a thing in Ireland where we kind of have this preoccupation with sin i'm always amazed with this i don't know if we have or you haven't you know when people come to talk to me as a priest they're the ones who get upset about sin i'm not the one getting upset about sin yeah. they bring it up nine times out of ten in their in their conversation with me i i, I suppose as you see even when the way the language you're using kevin you know i see when you're talking about people it's all divorced from your relationship with god yeah. You know, I'm, when I'm trying to be good and I'm trying my best, I know people yeah. of religion as if, you know, this it's up to me to be good by myself and then God could love me. It's very subtle. Yeah. But we have to live all the time out of being loved. Mm. And you see, I think, you know, our blessed Lord gives the Pharisees a rough time, you know, but we are like the Pharisees, you know, I think we're a bit of Pharisee in us all. We all like the rules and regulations. Because it doesn't demand anything of us. I've kept the rules. Now, love me. I've kept the rules. I deserve everything to go perfectly. No, you don't. And, uh, you know, so the, sometimes you know, we want rules and regulations. 
and we don't want relationship. Mm. Whereas God does want relationship. Mm. He does want me to respond to his love and for that love to truly, he's living within me, to truly allow me to be me. That's what I need. That's what to me is the moral life is all about. The rules and regulations, I mean, being me is not being self-centered, selfish, self-preoccupied. That's the modern misconception of happiness. The moral me is the person who's, at, as I say again, at peace with myself, being the man I can be and I'm happy to be, right? Not being led by my anger or my lust or my upset or my sadness, but having an integral appreciation of who I am. Loved by God, living within my, my relationships, being honest and true to my relationships, uh, that integrity of life, that's what the moral life is all about. Uh, and okay, you know, at times we struggle, we all do. We're fallen human nature, you know, and we, we, we look for immediate pleasure. And um, at this, I mean, at the moment, you know, with television or internet and all that, our minds can get buzzes. And they tell me that that's part of the problem, let's say, with um, things like um, pornography and the, and the videos and all, because it gives a buzz to your, your brain. And we have to be aware of that. But we can't live in that buzz all the time. And we can't live all the time being sadness and disappointment is part of humanity. And it's how am I going to live at that moment? And how do I grow to that moment? How can I deal with disappointment and um, failure and sadness in my life? How can I, how do I cope with the fact that yeah, even I'm saying my prayers trying to be good and holy man, but I'm still a sinner and I still get annoyed and I still, you know, whatever, whatever my problem is, I still dare. But I had to be honest to myself, oh, that's who I am and I need help. And I think the most important thing we have to remember in the modern life too in grace is about healing. I need to be healed. I don't need to be fixed. I'm a human being and I'm a machine. So if my emotions are wacko, or if I've been reared up in a world, and um, for instance, you were blessed, you had a lovely mother, I know your mother and father, wonderful people, right? Good Catholic people and said their prayers and all. Now, if you, if you grew up in a different atmosphere, uh, where you didn't feel loved and your mother and father weren't fit, well, you have to make a different journey. And there's an awful lot of healing has to go on from in my life. I often think, you know, sometimes I say this, um, what we've done in Ireland, go back to your question, actually, we almost make the moral life like a high jump. Yeah. And I have to get over that high jump. Whereas if you're living a life of prayer, communion, grace, friendship, bit of penance, you know, because you can't do everything you want to do. Well, these are all little steps that help us to cross over that line rather than standing at the looking over the seven foot um, high fence. But I do think there is something that we, you know, guilt and sin and as if that's all we're interested in. You know, the moral life is much happier than that, much more important than that. And as I say, it's hard to tell that to a 17 year old. 
you know, and you have to remember that, you know. And one of the most beautiful things about, you know, when you hear confessions, it's a personal sacrament. It's you and the Lord and your journey and where you're at at that moment. And you can't be having that out in public and open. Yeah. It's personal. And so a fellow comes in to me, he's 17, and a fellow comes in to me, he's 97, and a fellow comes in to me, he's married. And they're all different people. The different realizations. But if you start, the phrase I would use, you know, when our blessed Lord ends um, in Matthew's gospel, when he ends um, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, how do you hear that? Um, I hear that as uh, <clears throat> any, do you know what? I hear that and I know I'm wrong. I, yeah, I but no, I don't know. You know, I asked you, how do you hear that? But I hear that almost like this kind of impossible yeah, challenge, exactly. right? Yeah. That yeah. I kind of I have to rely solely on the grace of God. But that's okay, I mind that. <laughs> I agree with the second part. But you see, very yeah. often when our blessed Lord says that, you see, my thing to me, do you hear that as a commandment? Or do you hear it? as an invitation. Right. If it's a commandment, you're right, it's impossible. I can't be perfect as God is perfect. But what if God is inviting me into his world and that as God is perfect in himself, I can be a perfect in myself through the grace of God. So it's not me becoming God, it's me becoming me. And it's an invitation that Jesus is inviting us into his world and living in his love of relationship. I can become the perfect me, i.e. I can become myself. But so often it's the rule, it's the regulation. Be you perfect as your heavenly father's, but I have given up now. <laughs> you know, you can't be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. But Jesus wasn't asking you to do something that's impossible. This is his law. This is the new law of the uh, of the of, of uh, our blessed Lord inviting us in to share in who God is. You know, in those lines again in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, you know, if you only say hello to your friends, so what's fancy about that? The non-believers do that. If you give money back to your the people who give it back to you, should the non-believers do that? What's marvelous? But your heavenly Father who allows his sun to shine on good and bad alike, that's what you can't be like. You're being invited into a different world. And when Jesus says to you to be perfect, he's saying that because he loves you. And he wants Kevin to be the best Kevin Kevin can be. And that's moral Kevin. No, it's not stodgy Kevin. And if we, as Dominicans, believe grace builds our nature, we often use that phrase as end Thomas. Grace, God in your life, makes you more truly you. And that's a big contradiction, isn't it? Because, you know, it's it's true. But it, like, yeah. there is a contradiction there in that, you know, as I, as I kind of, I think initially, like, I think that me is my individualism. It's my clung to everything I'm clung to. Yeah. And then it's as I let things go and actually, you know, and, and go with the moral life and kind of, you know, kind of start living. 
Well, I, mean, I would say, hey, look, go with room. God in your life. Yes, going with God in, yeah. in life. Yeah. And that's it. Journeying with God, yeah. trusting, you know, following Jesus yeah. and and just kind of and following Jesus, it it eventually leads to this, like you say, not seeing the rules anymore. Because I suppose, you know, it's like a child who's like a child who's holding their father's hand when they're walking along, they don't have to be looking out for traffic or whatever kind of thing, you know, it's, it's that thing. And, but that, that actually creates us to be the real me. And then I can look back and see, see the journey I've come on and kind of say, wow. And the journey, and the journey you've come on isn't a bad journey. No, no. That's what we need. That's what it, Sort of the hard bit to get in your mind that you know the, the uh, what, what, I don't know it was a Cardinal Hume or something said the final judgment we know when you die that's when you begin to understand your life because then with Jesus you look back mm. and you see how your life has been right and up until that moment none of it makes sense to some extent okay and that way wisdom comes with age yeah. it does come with age. Because you look back and you realize you know, that was a disaster, but actually it made me to be a better person at the time it was off. Yeah. But if you see the moral life as this is about me growing to be the, you see, because very often our idea of us is freedom, for instance, is to do what I want. Yeah. True freedom, we say, is to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's true freedom. Yeah. You're not, you're free. You're more free, if you like, when you don't throw the brick through the window because you don't like the woman living inside it, then when you throw the brick through the window because you don't like the woman who's inside it, when are you more free? Now, we would say you're more free when you do the good and the right thing. And you know yourself, you feel better about it. Right? So when are you more free? You're more free when you do the good. But we have this idea that good and evil are, are you know, they're... they're um, this or that, this or that. It's not this or that. And, you know, because I do think we can get stuck in the modern life as being teenagers. You know, being free as a teenager is a time when you tell your mother and father, no, I'm not coming home at 10 o'clock tonight. And that's my freedom, you know. Yeah. And we can take that with God too. Yeah. But I think we, maturity in the modern life is about a mature life. Uh, it's not being childish. And it is growing, as you say, you know, as I say, it's very hard to tell a 17-year-old the beauty of being a father and loving yeah. his kids. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, it's very hard. doesn't understand it. But somewhere deep down he does. And you see, I think that's the important thing. You know, when you said you saw people looking around, and I think this is the real future of the church. As society in Western civilization is disappearing, there's no doubt about it. And it's becoming more and more disunified disjun- dis- dis- and disjunctured. When they see families like you and your wife and your kids growing and being good, people will say, hang on a minute, what's going on here? This life of individualism, self-centeredness, non-judgmental as they see it, unless you do something they don't agree with, then they can be very judgmental. Um, The truth will set people free. Goodness is attractive. Because we are still, even though we, original sin has left us sort of damaged, it hasn't ruined us. So we still respond to goodness and truth. 
And I think we in the church have to be people of truth and goodness. And you have to be the best father you can be, the best husband you can be. And there, what are you doing? Be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You know, the last 33 nights, we've been all doing St. Joseph, right? And yeah. I mean, what a, a marvelous figure that man has been. We've, I didn't think much of him before. But, you know, he was a father, didn't say too much, was there, wasn't always sure maybe what was going on. But, you know, you can, you're drawn to it. Yeah. You as a father want to be like him. Isn't that true? Yeah. And it's not because anyone is telling you. Yeah. I said, if you don't be like St. Joseph, you're going to go to hell and burn. That doesn't get you nowhere. And I think, think that's what happened in Ireland for so long. We thought by keeping the rules, you know, we're going to, you know, we'll be fine. It'll be great. Then we stopped keeping the rules and we were finding great anyway. So why do we need the rules? Yeah. We don't need the rules. Our, if our faith and our morality is just about rules and social acceptance, that changes. There's a book I have here written by an Irish moral theologian uh, saying, does morality change? Now, I have a big problem with this, right? Morality doesn't change. If your idea of morality is the good of the person. Now, how that good of the person is for you as a father or me as a priest, there are different sort of shades there, right? And, you know, um, so that's what I would say. You know, you need to be the best father. You, I mean, do you feel any less yourself now as a father and a husband than you did when you were... 18, 19, 20, going cuckoo. Do you know, there's there's a yes and no. Like, I don't feel any less of myself, but I definitely feel freer, which, yeah. again, is that contradiction, you know, yeah. in that kind of, in that, in that giving up my individualism and this, I can do whatever I want yeah. to kind of follow Jesus. Finding this beautiful, just this beautiful peace you know it's 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 peace because i think that i always equated joy to be this laugh out loud entertainment entertainment, entertainment. and you that's know, the, that's the ruination yeah. of western civilization yeah yeah we're not meant to be entertained yeah we are and, meant and, to be happy. and by by kind of getting caught up in this entertainment thing we're totally losing the contemplative or gone. Yeah. Yeah. Gone. And, gone. and it's only in there that we Yeah. And, and, and why and, are so many young people now feeling so depressed on antidepressants, you know, committing suicide? Why? If life is so wonderful and it's so marvelous, and the moon is the limit or the sky is the limit, why is there such an unhappiness within us? But I can sometimes, as I say, if you, if you go around and you think that being a Christian and a Catholic, you'd be depressed all the time. Well, you're not going to call anybody to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you know? and, and and that's the thing. I think there's there, you know, there there is too much kind of gloomy face, and I got caught up in that myself when I, oh yeah, you know, when I did start coming into things and stuff like that, I started seeing things as you know just sin and yeah. good and yeah. this yeah. obstacle course, you know. Yes, exactly. That you had yeah. to get over by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're back to the obstacle course. And also seeing everyone else that's failing at the obstacle course as well. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah, 
yeah yeah and and i mean and, and this angst yeah as you yes, say you know my god you know to be holy i have to be in, in watching for sin all the time yeah and that that kills people mm. and they don't and they give up because they can't do it I talked about with Ronta when I was involved in U2000. I remember as a young fellow, I always think back, he came to Clamac Nice uh, for the summer festival. And I hadn't seen him for a while. And I said to him, where have you been? And he said, I took a different route. But he said, I always knew I could come back. Wow. That to me was a moment of great joy personally for me. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I knew I could always come back. And he did. They came back, he went away again. I don't know what happened to him after that. But that feeling, I can believe it's not about... Um, and I think so often that's what the moral life was seen as, as you said, an obstacle course. Yeah. And, uh, and, and very often, as well as that, you know, for instance, if you have started to be used to sinning and one thing or another, it's, it's like an oddy drug. It's hard to come off it. Yeah. You really do have to re-educate yourself, you yeah. know? And... Um, so it does take time, but the grace of God and the sacraments, and this is, I think, is the terrible thing of this lockdown. Mm. And I think it's a very dangerous time for people's souls. You can't live the Catholic Christian life without the grace of the sacraments. Yeah. And any priest or bishop that thinks you can needs his head examined. Mm. How can you try to live a holy life? And it's a high life, you know, to be you perfect, to be the best father, the best husband you could be. Without the grace of the Blessed Eucharist, without Jesus living within you, without the sacrament of confession, without the grace of being healed going on in your soul, you can't. And I mean, when I hear now some people say, well, we can't have baptism. What the hell? Why can't we have baptisms? You know, 10 people can go to a wedding or a funeral or whatever. Why can't four people, five people, the child, six, the priest, go to a baptism? And there's no need. We, we can't gather. But do you not believe that the sacrament of, of baptism is already active in the soul of the child? The healing, renewing, that child is already growing in God's grace. And I think we forgot the supernatural life, but we're not going to go on that one tonight. But we've forgotten the supernatural life of grace. And that's why I think it's very, very um, dangerous now for people. Because they will start seeing, I can't do this by myself. I don't have the ready access to the sacraments. It's too hard. I'm giving up. And where am I going then? Going to hell indeed. But it's not the hell that the Lord is going to send you to. So I do think we need that rounded approach to morality, if that makes any sense. I do. I, I, I think it does make a lot of sense. And, you know, it, it's one of these things that... Like I, I said before, this, this you know, I, I fell into the kind of trap of it myself, this preoccupation of sin, because it was it was like, right, I'm in faith. Mm. And now all it is is just rules and it's it's this yeah. obstacle course and it's sin. And then it's finding these trying to find the distinction venial and mortal. And, it, you know, oh, yeah. getting caught up in all of that without this just freedom. And again, like that, that there's a, a lack of understanding of the sacraments that was going on and you yeah. know a yeah. lot of this kind of thing yeah and i mean all right you know people say um it is a journey i have no doubt about that 
it, it, the Lord is healing us. And that's why I prefer to use that word healing. I think it's very important to, for us Catholics. The sacraments are healing moments of Christ in our lives. Because mm. we do have a sort of a impression, you know, St. You know, Paul, zoom, and it's all <laughs> perfect now. It's all perfect now. We're human beings. We have to grow. We have to, over time, um, uh, and I have to get away from my selfishness, my self-preoccupation, my interior loneliness. Now, interior loneliness and aloneness with God are two totally different things. And right. so often we're, we're afraid to go quiet. We need entertainment. What will I do? I, how can I sit by myself? And an older lady here, Nubin, said to me during the, the lockdown, the first lockdown or the third, I can't remember how many lockdowns we had at this stage. And she said to me, it must be a lot easier for you, priest, than it is for us. And I said, what do you mean? Well, she said, you're used to being in your own room and reading and being quiet and being a prayer than it is for us who are always out doing things. And it's true. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. That, you know, for us, now that's the way we all do it, but we have to get used to being alone with God yeah. and entering into that inner place of peace. And the world of entertainment stops us doing that. Yeah. You know, and I, I just don't think it's good for us always to be trying to be entertained because we have to, as I say, we have to come to terms with weakness, loneliness, um, failure that's all part of life because when Jesus came, I was just thinking the other day you know we're coming into Holy Week at this stage for us anyway um, Jesus why did he go through what he went through he saved us from within our stories not from without our stories he saved us within the human condition our redemption is not a magic wand and sometimes we want Jesus to be fairy godmother. He's not a fairy godmother. He doesn't do away with the garden of Gethsemane. He comes into my garden of Gethsemane. And with him in my garden of Gethsemane, there I grow. Uh, he doesn't take us down from the cross every time. He gets up on the cross with us. And he allows this communion of fidelity together to grow in love then together. And we become who we are by all of these things. Um, whereas if we're just seeing life, you know, I want God to be -doom. well, God isn't the -doom. and he doesn't dance to our tune. He's inviting us to dance to his tune, but that's another story. You know, and a lot of long with morality, but I think, we see, I think morality is this, this is so I, as I say, I, I see morality as a much broader, encompassing a lot more than just I'm on the internet, so I have to be careful what I say. But it's not just about sex and about um, eating too much and being, you know, selfish. It's much broader. No, I know where you're coming from here because even with this whole culture of instant gratification and yeah. even like, you know, Netflix has replaced TV because there's no ads. We don't yeah. even have yeah. to wait three minutes and for yeah. the, yeah. you know, the ad yeah. break. And with all of this thing, we've a lack of patience. And, yeah. you know, that's one of the great virtues, yeah. you know, that's that we're, yeah. we're kind of gone. And I think when we look at old Ireland, um, I know sometimes we might romanticize the faith of old Ireland as if, you know, everything was perfect and, you know, whatever. But 
at the same time, there was a there was there was uh, there were more. It, there was a lot more, maybe moral living. Um, there, there, there was a bit more devotion and and there was more faith and things like that. But I think when we look at so many people were working as farmers, we'll say, where you're out in the field on your own all day. You don't have radios and tractors no, and yeah. you know all the different things. There was, there was this contemplative life. Yeah. Being and ultimately, I suppose. It is that, as I said, to be at peace with yourself. That's yeah. very important. Now, I know, I suppose in Ireland, I would say we demonise our past too much now <laughs> in the public media. Nothing was good before 1980. Um, there was good and there was bad. I have no doubt about that. We all know. But there, was, there wasn't the anxiety, I don't think, in people that there is now. Mm. And that, as you said, that virtue of patience. And there was charity. I read, people were poorer and they had to get on with what they had. And that had a good point and a bad point, I'm not saying. But this preoccupation now would always be afraid to be by yourself. Yeah. Afraid. Yeah. And I need, as you said, and I did that's very good. The Netflix has replaced television because, you know, you can... I mean, every now, I don't watch television much anymore, but you know, with the sky box up there or something, you have 75,000 channels on and you can find nothing you want to watch, you know, unless you want to watch Sky News all day long. And so you go back to Netflix and, you know, I can watch that whole series now and I can gorge myself on the crown or gorge myself or whatever. Why would you want to be gorging yourself in anything? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then you come back to life, you know, and you're not happy all the time and everything isn't wonderful and you say i can't put up with this anymore and you see to meet if you if you live the moral life you will have that peace and integrity within your own self yes and it does involve prayer and it does involve the sacraments and it does being at peace and it was the moral person is at peace with himself or herself and they can be in their own company and i think that's the important thing we need to be yeah. that's what i would want someone why i think we should live the moral life for you to be happy I, as yourself i definitely i definitely agree there because you know even even thinking back to when i had kind of you know when i issues with different things kind of you know pornography and you mm. know different things that and all of these things were escape from being with me you know yeah. and, and kind yeah. of look so, yeah. And it was kind of constantly getting onto the lads, meet up, go out, you know, and 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 things. But I could not sit still. I could not. The thought of being in a room on my own was horrible, you know. And horrifying, yeah. And 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 one of those things now, it's it's, you know, where I can actually say now, and I wouldn't have been able to say before, you know, I'm I like myself, you yes, know. Like, but I think you're back to where the point I'm trying to make. You know, you're loved. Yeah. Yes. And it's that too, I suppose it does also. I mean, when you're 17 and you're 18, it's not natural to be sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> you do need to be out and enjoying yourself and playing football and doing things like that. You do. You have to realize it. The problem is, if you're 50 and you still need to be doing that, then there's something very wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you can't have a 50 year old pretending he's a 17 year old, but neither can you have a 17 year old pretending he's a 50 year old. Yeah. So you have to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You have to be the person you are in the time you're in, the situation you're in, and be a moral person. Not, and and let's, be, let's be honest, you two, you know, being honest, 
you know, the saint sometimes is entertaining. I mean, the problem is we're not meant for entertainment. We're meant for happiness, <laughs> you know? But again, it's very hard to tell that to a 17-year-old young fella. But yet that 17-year-old young fella knows it if he's at peace with himself. You know, because I think, you know, I go back, I, I joined the order when I was 17. That's why I say 17. Um, but it was a very different world, a very different Ireland. Um, we were probably more, maybe mature. But we knew we had to take on responsibilities. Um, the idea that you might live until you're 30 before you make a commitment, that wasn't part of life. You know, people were getting married at 20, 21. Uh, they were getting jobs, they were settling down. They knew that, you know, the wild years, that they were a passing phase. And that you had to live your life to be true to thyself and, uh, and true to your relationship with God. Whereas now, you don't have to settle down till you're 40. And I'm not sure that's a good idea. No. You see, we, we've touched on something there. There's there's a good point today. There's a question kind of coming out of this. Like, I, I'm, I see what, I'm trying to think now how to, how to word this. Um, like, I see with my son, Michael, right, hmm. that we, he knows he's loved. You know, yes. we, we tell him, we're, you know, you're playing with him, you tell him he's, anything he does, an old stripe on a, on, yeah. on a sheet and it's the best drawing we've ever yeah. seen you know this and he's oozing with confidence he's yeah. he knows he's loved yeah and then um i suppose like that i grew up like that i grew mm. up in, in a home like that then you know i kind of hit the real world and i suppose no you um, didn't you left the real world <laughs> yeah. <Go on>. yes <laughs> but i hit i hit the yeah. the world yeah and um I suppose life was different to yeah. what I was kind of what I grew up with. And then yeah. what ended up happening is I had this mad sense for so many years of this kind of, I don't know who I am. I don't like myself and I'm all this escapism. But now like that, where I, I'm happy to be on my own, go for a walk on my own without headphones on listening to something that I can go for a walk and listen to the birds, whatever, and just yeah. in yeah. time. But again, like that, I like myself because I know I'm loved. You yeah. know, I, I know I'm loved by God. And it's it's not that, oh, well, that's fine. I have a wife and kids and I, you know, I know they love it. But it's beyond that. I know I'm loved by God. I know it's I'm gift. a child of God. And I'm loved. It's the yeah. grace of God. It's grace. And it's supernatural. Yeah. It's, gift. it's yeah. not something you can start to whirl up yourself. But I'm just going to go back, you know, there to say you know, when you go out and you listen to the birds, you know, it must be yeah. always very weird too. You can always admire the birds too, even yeah. the ones without the feathers. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. You know what I mean? If a yeah. good looking girl comes down the street looking at you, well, she's a good looking girl. God bless her. Thank yeah. God. Because, yeah. oh my God, what am I doing? Oh my Lord, I've been unfaithful to my wife. I'm ruining, I'm a bad person. Well, you're not a bad person. You're seeing beauty when you see it. Yeah. And move on. Yeah. Do you know if I did it? It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that we can get caught up in all these. Yeah, totally caught up. I mean, if she's good looking girl, God bless her. She's good looking girl. Thank God she made a good looking girl, you know. Fine, <laughs> move on. You know, yeah. so you, you, again, but because if you're happy within yourself, 
you can appreciate goodness of other people and the joy of other people without getting caught up in yeah. your own selfishness and yeah. self-entertainment. So again, like that, you know, that, that freedom that comes with the moral life, you know? Mm. Father Pingar is one of the great Dominican moral theologians, so, you know, when we begin the bar life, it's like learning the piano to some extent. You have the rules and regulations. You have to do the AGBDF. Da, 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 da. But then when you become, when you are good at it, then you can sit down and play Mozart. Or you can sit down and play music. I can't play the piano. But, you know, that freedom. And you can enjoy the music. And, you're, right, you're keeping the rules, but you're not sitting down thinking and keeping the rules. Yeah. It, it allows you to be a good pianist. And so the moral life allows you to be a good human being. Now, we all know good human beings, and we all, at the end of the day, I want to be like that. That's the thing. Whenever we see virtue, and, and it doesn't always have to be in this, in a holiness or something either. No. You know, like, we see it so often with sports stars and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we can, look, I'm a Cork man, so we, you know, we're fans of Roy Keane. And it's, you know, but we see things, and when he's talking about this, what it was like that when we hear people talking about people who used to play with him and talking about, you know, how, how good he was at training and, uh, you know, all these, these different things. We admire that kind of, yeah. that person who can yeah. give to the cause, you know, yeah. give it yeah. all to something, something yeah. good. Yeah, they're good. And we can, re- and see, that's why it's so important with us. You know, even though we may be weakened, we recognize what's good. And we also recognize what's not good. And that's what kills us. And that's why we become ashamed of ourselves. And that's why we become um, depressed about ourselves. Because we know that we're not what we could be or should be. I was only thinking the other day, they were talking about the Queen and why did the people of England like her? I think partly by people like the Queen of England, she's a virtuous lady. She's been yeah. faithful, you know, to her duty, she, to, to the nation. And she's 94, she's still working away, God bless her. And that's something to be admired. And when her grandson said she's trapped, interesting, he didn't say that the queen was trapped. He said his father and his brother were trapped. Yeah. He didn't say the queen was trapped because she's the queen. It's who she is. And I think there's something about us respecting when we see people who are honourable and good and true. Yeah. And we admire them. Hmm. And um, it, it resonates with us deeply. And I think the same is true for ourselves. When I'm the best me, I resonate with myself and I'm happy. And, you know, we go to confession and say, look, there's things in my life I'm not too happy with. So that's okay. You know, we forgive, we'll heal. Now get out there and get moving. You know, don't stop. Keep on the journey. The Lord is with you. Um, I want you to be perfect. I.e., I want you to be the best you, to be the best dad. And finding who you are in your relationships. You know, so, oh my God, I mean, I'd hate to be a father. Jesus, mercy, mine's child 24 7. Holy God bless you, that's all I can say. I've, I've, I've a good wife. So, but... That's good. Well, it does, it all helps. Yeah. You see, nature is good. Yeah. yeah. You're not, we all have to do something by our own rea- reality when people die. But normally, it's a husband and a wife and a mother and a father, that's the way God made it and nature makes us. Yeah. And it's good and it's true. And, you know, when we say there about we're attracted to virtue, it, mm. and we are, and, and like that, I'm just thinking of 
sports people, I've always felt sorry for sports people who they're held up as, as these heroes. That's fine. But when they're held up for their sport, right? But when they then in their personal lives put a foot wrong, it's the whole world comes down on top of them. And, you know, and I've always felt really sorry for them, but maybe there's something in there that because we view this person as this virtuous character, we, maybe we replace that person, like society, we replace that person, you know, kind of, we replace Christ with that person. And, you know, we, we hold them up as this holy virtuous character. But then in that area where they're lacking and it falls down, society, we're all just so disappointed with this breakdown of this person. You know, that. whereas... Well, I, think, we, we've, I, think, I think secular society is desperately unforgiving. Yeah. yeah. Desperately unforgiving. If you make what they, the society, the secular society says, this is what it's supposed to be like. And if you don't make the mark or you fall off the bike or whatever, you're condemned immediately. Yeah. I'd hate to live in the light spotlight of the media mm-hmm. because, first of all, heroes and heroines don't exist. Virtuous people do. You know, why should a good footballer then suddenly, you know, you know, he's a good footballer. God bless him, but that's what he's good. Let him be a good footballer. He's good everything, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have problems and we they make mistakes. Um, I mean, so many. I mean, people have often said to me, "Oh no, Father, you wouldn't like me because I I sin." I said, "People like you keep me in a job." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not yeah. the end of the world that I'm a sinner. Yeah. It's what we can do to make you a better person and make you more happy in yourself. Whereas I think, the, I mean, this I think you know this the paparazzi and they're going, they're looking for something that's wrong. I mean, Christians, we don't look for something. And I think sometimes, again, we can, you know, be like that. We want to see what's wrong. No, I want to see what's good. People say to me, you know, after hearing confessions for 33 years, you know, have you a very bad view of human nature? I would say the opposite. Because I see people trying to be good and struggling and they've got themselves into situations and they know it's not them and they don't know how to get out of it. And you just see the goodness of people. It's oh, not their sin. That's beautiful. Yeah. It is true, though. Yeah, I mean, it's true. You don't. It's not their sin, you see, you know. Yeah. Or you must think I'm an awful person. I don't think that's at all, you know. Um, but I do think probably we can all be better than we are. But you, you don't begin by this false perfection. Mm. I mean, you know, we, we've got rid of it and it, it's come into society now. And um, yeah, I would hate to live in the unforgiving spotlight of, uh, of publicity. Now, you know, we'll say some of the greatest saints thought they were still at that point, they thought they were the greatest sinners, you know, they could, they could see their faults. So what I'm saying is kind of to live the virtuous life is not this thing of kind of going, right, I've made it, you know, I can switch off, right? But so it's this continuous journey. Um, and, and people are different parts of that journey, you know, I, and, and some, you know, like I, I began this interview by saying when I wasn't a moral person and you, yeah. you corrected me and said, well, no, I was in my way, just hilarious. And I think in the same way with virtue, 
I I will struggle with virtues that you know someone someone who barely said a prayer in that particular area that I'm struggling in. Yeah. Um, they may just be graced. They may just be graced that that's not their area of struggle. Now, I may also not have any struggles where some great saint may have a struggle. And that doesn't make me better. It doesn't make, you know, it's just that's that's just grace. I don't think it helps comparing. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't help. The, the point I'm kind of getting at is more if we look at ourselves and we do see our faults, we do see, mm. you know, some of the areas we could grow in. Mm. Um and I suppose what I'm saying is kind of no matter where we are, we can all grow in some virtue. How would you recommend going about that? Or, you know, how would you kind of say, we see so much anxiety out there and so many different things and people not liking themselves, not being able to look at themselves. What would your recommendation be? The first thing I would say to anybody to take seriously a very simple phrase. I am loved. Mm. And I don't mean that in a selfish, self-centered. It's not that I love myself. Mm. That would be self-centered and selfish. But I am loved. I am the recipient of someone else's love. That to me is what it means to be a Christian. Benedict XVI said, Christians are those who have been conquered by God's love. That's where we begin. And I am loved. And, you know, our blessed Lord, to me, is the great encourager. Discouragement comes from the devil. You even said it yourself a moment ago. We can all do better. But that's God. Yeah. When God comes to me and says, look, Harris, you can get yourself to bed, bed, you know, get up earlier tomorrow and say more prayers. But that's God. If you're sitting there saying, I'm, I'm an awful person, I'm never going to do any good, you know, I didn't get up early this morning, I sure won't get up tomorrow morning because it's awful. You've tried and you failed and you failed and you tried and you failed. That's not Jesus. Discouragement comes from the devil. Encouragement comes from the Lord. And so as Christians, we should encourage each other. All right, you're a bit of a not a nice person. All right, well, you, need, you could be better. There's encouragement. I'm not a nice person. I've tried and I failed. I'll give up. That's not the gospel. So the first thing I would say to anybody, and particularly if there's something in your life that you're struggling with, forgiveness or whatever, or weakness or fear, you must begin with who you are in your relationship with God. And I am loved. And that's not big. We all feel that, whether we like it or not. We all believe we are lovable. And we are. But I'm loved because God loves me. And if I grow in that awareness of who I am in that loving atmosphere, like when the sun shines through the clouds, you know, our, our blessed Lord says, you know, the seed is put in the ground and it grows and it becomes a stalk and becomes a flower. How, he says, we don't know. There's the grace of God. So that's what I would say to anybody. If you're feeling bad about yourself, Remember that you are loved by God. It's an act of faith. It's true because it's who God is. And that the more I accept that 
as being loved by God, as I say, not self-centered, I love myself. That's a, that's a different, completely different situation. And that this God who loves me, loves me because I can be the best person I am meant to be. Be you perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. As God is perfectly God, you can be who you are. And that's the invitation that the Lord, and that's what the moral life is all about. It's making you to be the free person who does the good and who speaks the truth. And he loves me as I am now, not as the person I can be, because that person doesn't exist. Yes, no. or might yeah, never exist. And the love life. now could be quite demanding. Yeah. If I take this love seriously, I can't any longer, you know, but again, I don't want to put this out of the, the damper at us immediately. <laughs> you learn it from the inside. Yeah. Being selfish and self-centered and always want to be entertained. That's not who I am. So it is a change. And the Lord loves me. Yes, he loves me as I am, but he also loves me knowing what his love for me can do. You know, other people saw Mary Magdalene as a sinner. He saw her as a saint. Yeah. We even call to Tom, Doubting Thomas now Doubting Thomas. Thomas was the first of the apostles to say, my Lord and my God. Why do we call him believing Thomas? Yeah. Yeah. But we look for the, what's wrong. Jesus doesn't look what's wrong. And so, like, when I said to you, and said, oh, I wasn't a moral person. Yes, you were. Not in every area. But in some areas. So God sees the good there. Yeah. And wants that to grow. And what's not you, or what's less than what you could be, he doesn't want that. But his love will heal you and gather you to himself. I mean, as I say, it is maturing. It is growing. Um and I, I do worry sometimes, as I say, in modern Irish society, we're putting off later and later maturity. Hmm. We're, staying teen, we're staying teenagers until we're nearly 50. Yeah. And we don't know what to do with ourselves then. You know? So the moral life is an invitation to you to be happy in your own self. That's lovely. And, and you know, one of the things I definitely experienced myself in was... I, I made this mistake where I used to approach the moral life where, um, or not the moral life, I used to approach God when, you see, I tried to grow right in the moral life on my own without yes. God, right? And then yeah. I used to report back to God yeah. about how I was getting on. But I used to do this thing where I used to like put on what I'd call a spiritual white suit kind of thing. I'd I'd approach God as this like Saint Kevin, right? Mm. and trying to speak in this pious way to God and talking in, you know, rather than just coming along and saying, listen, I'm a mess, right? Uh, I need help here and here and here. I can't do it on my own. And look, I, that's, that's simply it. you know. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it is that honesty. If you do believe you're loved and, you know, the white suiting is phenomenally frightening, you know, yeah, God, God wants you to be saying Kevin. And he'll help you to be saying Kevin. But you don't have to be saying Kevin before you meet him. Mm. And it, there is that sort of self-centered, modern spirituality. Where it all begins with me. You know, that moral philosophy, modern philosophy, it's all about me. I'm the center. Whereas I come from an older tradition 
of this medieval world, but all begins with God. And I'm invited into his world rather than him trying to be forced into my little world. And I think we do a lot of that. You know, what's his name? Um, not a man you might think of as a spiritual writer at all, Oscar Wilde. He huh? once wrote, God made man in his own image and likeness. And ever since, man has been returning the compliment. Wow. Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde said that. I would never. Quite profound. If, the, if that was a quiz, I'd never have put those words down to Oscar Wilde. There you are. God made man in his own image and likeness, and ever since man has been returning the compliment. We've been trying to make God in our own image and likeness. Yeah. Which we call idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. Not the real thing. So God invites, and that's why I see the moral, that's what the moral life is for me. It's God's invitation into his life of grace, into his life of friendship. And if God is as good as we say he is, and he is, by him in my, in my life, I in his life, I become a better me. Mm-hmm. And I become a happier me because I become a more happy. may not be more entertained, might not always have the buzz, but life isn't about being entertained and always having the buzz. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about living. I came that you may have life and have it to the full. And yet so often, go back to the very beginning of the conversation we were having, it was if I've come to take away any life you might have and any hopes I to have, right? Jesus yeah. didn't say that. Yeah. I came that you may have life and have it to the full. Not a pretense of life or a, 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 um, or play-acting life, but the real thing. And that's our life with God. And I think that's what I would like to see the moral life um, we need to break through this other thing because this other look prove to me in Ireland it hasn't worked. Yeah, the rules and regulations and reality being afraid of going to hell hasn't worked because people have given up about hell and don't worry about those things now. Mm. Just hasn't worked. We much have a different approach. I mean, I think it's the it's the it's my background as a, as a Dominican in Saint Thomas Aquinas. Uh-huh. It's this call to happiness, to fulfillment, to being a better person. When we live in the truth and do the good, you're a better you. And that comes over time and that comes with maturity. As I say, you don't expect, yeah, I'm not saying you don't expect 17-year-old to have a certain maturity and a certain holiness. I think you can. You think of all those wonderful martyrs in Africa, martyrs in Mexico dying, you know, for the faith. Uh, and even the old, the martyrs back in the early centuries, 10, 12, 14 virgins, you know, little girls giving their lives for Christ. So I think sometimes we don't expect enough of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, but with God in your life, there's the difference. And the moral life has, is an outgrowing inhumanity of grace now there is the natural order as well so i mean you know we can grow in in in, in sort of honesty and strength and temperance in the in the moral life as well you know the ordinary human life but grace communion with god helps us do it in a better place but it's about being more I, free I, I think that the best analogy 
that, that you mentioned was that piano, you know, yeah. that like where we've always taught freedom is the choice between right and wrong. But in the in the piano player, that's yeah. like saying the guy who doesn't know the rules, he's free to hit the wrong notes or the right notes. But the free guy is the guy. He's, he's the concert pianist. He's the and, concert pianist. Exactly. Yeah. And the beauty and the truth of the music is not just the fella banging away, you know, yeah. with all these tums on every pitch. But the fellow who brings out the beauty, and we, and again, we, we said we respond, we respond to good music, and the beauty of good music, you know. And there's the freedom that that's what Father Pinkars, that's what he said, that's what the modern life is about, is the concertinist who's free. And I think you know? you know, as as a father, you know, wanting to pass on the faith to children. Now my children are three and six months, so like, but you know, wanting to pass on that you know that faith to, to our children that i think the key really is not making it about sin and rules but making it about love and freedom and yes. you know and i think even like that you know as you mentioned that guy that you met at, at u2002 yeah you know if people stray if they know the road back yeah. that's that's all we can hope yeah yeah. I mean, that's what it's true. But I mean, look, that's not John Harris. There's our blessed Lord with the prodigal son. Hmm. You know, I mean, the terribleness of the prodigal son story is there's two sons who are utterly selfish and self-centered. None of them know their father. Yeah. yeah. They don't know who he is. They don't understand him. One fellow thinks he can take advantage of him and the other fellow thinks he, he owes him something. Yeah. None, of them, yeah. none of them understand the beauty of their father. That's true. And, but we're invited to, to yeah. be like the Father. Be you perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I want you to be like the Father, the prodigal son. I heard a wonderful story of a man I know here who died only last year. And I was talking to his wife there recently. And she was ta- laughing about the husband had died. Well, she wasn't laughing about that, but going back over years. And the, the day of his first anniversary was actually this, um, the Saturday of the prodigal son in the gospel. And she said one day one of their sons went out to university and he didn't come home. And the father went out looking for him at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock. Eventually they found him somewhere at six o'clock in the morning. And she said, what did you do to him? He said, I had to do what God the father would do to him. I threw my hands around him and said, I'm so happy to have found you. And he said, we, she said, we had a party. And she said to him after, why didn't you give out to him? But he said, I'm his father. What image would he have God the father if I just gave out to him? I mean, that's a man of faith. I'd have murdered him. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even, even at that, you know, like that there's, I remember before at, at this kind of a, a study on, on the, the prodigal son and the priest asking, um, which one do you think, which one do you see yourself as? You know, at this stage now, I was obviously in in faith and things like that. But I was I was at the early stages of it, and I still had it so wrong. You know, I'm not saying I have it all right now, but you know, but I was like, oh, the guy, the son who stayed. You know, and and like that, it was what I was attracted to was the guy who was obeying all the rules, and you know, and you know what was pointed out to me is well just remember he said the other guy who decided to go back to his father 
as the way he was, he's the guy who ended up inside in the party. We don't know where the other fell ended up. We don't know where the other fell was at. I mean, that wonderful actual phrase of the father, the older brother, everything I have is yours. Mm. Made no difference to me. Mm. And as you say, rightly so, the big question at the end of the story, does he go in or doesn't he? Yeah. And we don't know. Yeah. And, you know, if he did, fine. If he didn't, well, tough. But the, the, the terrible tragedy, that none of them knew their father. And I think to some extent, this is a completely different evening's conversation. How many of us really know God? Mm. And those of us who have the faith, you know, sometimes you know, we, we can be his worst publicity agents. Yeah. You know, I often said about going to confession, you know what I mean? We've done such a bad job in selling it. If we sold it the way it should be sold, we'd have queues outside the door, not only three or four people. We've done a very bad job. That's in us. That's a call, really, for all of us to live the virtuous life. It is. It is. Yeah. Once we know what it's about, again, it's not the rules. And the, there are rules and regulations beyond it. That you have to tell your little son, you know, you can't put your hand in the fire. <laughs> you know, he has to know it. You know, and you know, you have to go to school in the morning. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. But that's not. That's not the important thing, right? Yeah. And the moral life is you being the best you. And when you are the best you, you will be at peace because you'll be doing the good and knowing the truth. That's the moral life, in my view, <laughs> my humble view. <laughs> yeah. but even, even for evangelization, for everything, it's so, it's so attractive. There is, there is no other option. You can't sell I don't think there is. No, I don't think there is. And the fear of hell... Yeah, it keeps us out sometimes, you know, it's true. The modern world has moved beyond that to some extent. Hmm. Or else it's living in hell, one or the other. Living these isolated, independent flats by oneself. The terrible loneliness that's in the modern world. Hmm. And we're inviting people to communion, not to loneliness. And, you know, I often think... You know, when I was growing up, going back to the analogy of music, music we brought us together. We sang, we played music, uh, we went to concerts or whatever. It was a communal affair. Now, what do we do? Put into our ears. Keep everybody else out. It's just me. I think earpieces are the most disastrous modern invention. It cuts us off and we're totally by ourselves. And even in music, it's what I like hearing. It's about me. It's what I like. Uh, and it's nothing got to do with enjoyment with others. It's a noise to kind of... It can it's be. It's a noise to keep the silence out, really, isn't it? Can it can be. Yeah, it can be. And I think that's some of the... I don't, I don't know modern music now. I, I, we have to finish because I have to go and say my prayers now. But... <laughs> um, I remember one time going back to you 2000. We had a ball, I remember, and there was a meeting afterwards, and it was, I don't know, the band was wild and loud, as all I knew was loud. And somebody said, What did you think about the lyrics? I said, What lyrics? The lyrics of the songs they were singing. I said, I heard no lyrics. All I heard was tump, 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 tump. I heard no nice music. I heard no lyrics. I didn't even know it made any sense. But I know it is. But I do think that people should. 
realize that to live morally is an invitation by God for each person to be at peace with themselves. That's, that's a beautiful message in, in a world where peace is sought out everywhere and, and you know, is, is so rarely found. I think, um, you know, po pointing to where it is, is that's a, it's a beautiful way to finish. And it, it has to come to some extent from within oneself. Hmm. You have to end up at peace with yourself or else. And I, I do think the peace, first of all, peace within yourself comes from peace being with, with being at peace with God then be at peace with yourself and then you can be at peace with others. Hmm. It's not the other way around. John, thanks so much for joining us. Would you, um, would you mind giving a, a blessing to our, uh, to our listeners, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love you have for us. May we ever know deeper that love and grow in that love and in the freedom of that love to live to be the people we know we can be to be at peace with you and with ourselves, that we may live with the peace of each other. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thanks very much, Father John. God bless. God bless you, Brother Kevin. Keep up the good faith. Keep it going. Keep <laughs> podcasting. Thanks, Father John.